Finds Depay. Memphis Depay. Goes for gold. Done just that, he scored! Juninho's done it! Oh, the stadium has erupted here. The relief is palpable all around. There's Nabil Fick here. Shoots and scores! Well, there's a finish in a half from Nabil Fick here to double the Leon lead. Two minutes before half-time. And Manchester City in real trouble on the opening night of the Champions League. Oh, it's in again! It's Dembele again! And he's come off the bench to score twice! Bonjour and welcome to the Football English Podcast. As you can see, it's not Liam presenting today. We're, we're switching up microphones and uh, we've got guests on and we're going we're gonna to keep the regular schedule of complaining about Lyon for the next hour, but you know, you've got you to gotta stick to what we know best. Um, today, we obviously got Liam, how are you doing? Yeah, besides the broken podcast, Mike. Okay, so I apologize for my sound quality issues as they may persist today. Uh, my microphone will be extremely quiet, so if you can't okay. hear me, I apologise. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, all good, despite the OL defeat. Of course, I mean, that seems like a, a regular trend. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm very good, excited to talk about uh, our favourite team. Yeah, yeah, you're you're at least enjoying the sun, I'm, I'm sure. Well, yeah, it's like a, it's a 95 degree, or I guess we're in Fahrenheit here, 30-something, uh, you know, but everywhere else, it's, it's Europe, uh, summer. Of course. I mean, French summer hasn't been that exciting um, for, for most of it. And today we're joined by Baptiste. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks. Try try living in London for a, for a type of summer and then you'll see you can't really complain about anything if you're in Europe. But uh, yeah, no, I'm great. Great. Thanks for having me. Delighted to talk about Boel and, uh, and the, the way the season's going to pan out for them. At least one of us is. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, I guess we, we, we're going to start off with, with Strasbourg because that's the, the latest big news bar, you know, um, a whole drama around Toko Kambi and him not actually wanting to choose between three clubs. Um, let's start with Strasbourg, which obviously was a was a 2-1 defeat to start of the season. Perfect, you know, knowing that it's probably the last time of the season will be on the big um, primetime slots on Sunday night. Um, because they'll realize very quickly that we're not actually that interesting to watch. Um, Liam, what did you make of the of the game? The first half was moderately average. Um, great the work. second half was terrible. Uh, <laughs> the, the first half was a bit more controlled than I expected, but it still had the telltale signs of what we saw in pre-season where they couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. It was a very much a case of 
try and want, but nothing ever really came. I mean, Shirky had a couple of pot shots. The biggest chance was Lacazette hit the post. Um, so we did create some chances, but I don't know. It just never looked like we would score. And then after the break, Strasbourg just seemed to find another level or maybe they were just a better team as they looked in the second half, I think pretty much besides the last 15 minutes where they were chasing the game to try and come back and obviously Tagliafico scored and Leon were pretty say, dull for 75 minutes barring a couple of chances made and then in the last 15 minutes where there was a bit of urgency and need to find a goal, the team kind of clicked into space a little bit but at the back it was rather open um, whether Jake O'Brien's a solution, I'm not so, not too sure. I think we need to start, invest in a real replacement for Luke Haver. I don't think we can expect Sonali be a Monday to be a starter for the full season or we go with Croatia's back, um, back line for the next season with Chalatishar and Lovren together. Maybe that's the way forward, but we definitely need another centre-back option. Um, but yeah, we'll discuss the transfers element a little bit later. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a Sunday night treat. Let's put it that way. No, that's 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 absolutely for sure. And we'll discuss uh, incomings uh, because obviously there's been some fantastic signings since last time we spoke. Uh, ones that will change the course of our season. Um, Jonathan, I guess from from my you know understanding of, of the game squished into half an hour on OL play. Um, I felt like the first 15 minutes weren't actually that bad and we saw some some good things from Kakre particularly going forwards, which was actually quite refreshing. I mean, I, I don't think he's a 10, but um, the, the OL play commentator did underline how well they, they worked together with Shirky and Lacazette as a trio. Um, is that something you want to see more in, in the coming weeks, knowing that, Le, that Blanc thinks that if we play this way, we'll definitely win more games? I'm still trying to count the number of points we need to avoid relegation, but I mean, if that's is that a way forward for the the coming weeks? I mean, I'm not sure we really have a choice with that trio, but you know, the first 15 minutes were classic French old school coach of we had a very good physical training, you know, in the preseason, and we have a ton of energy, and we're just gonna, you know, be a little aggressive and run everywhere. And that's what they did for the first hour and, you know, 15 minutes. They were present, um, but there's no attacking style. There's no, you know, besides Kekker and Shirky finding each other pretty well and Lacazette being a good player, there's no style. There's no idea. Laurent Blanc has done nothing to create us an identity. So I don't know how Lyon's going to score enough goals to compete. I mean, it, it's really uh, scary. Um, Barcola was... Totally absent. I mean, that was the big disappointment of the game. I think his mind is elsewhere, and I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but the reports are that he's already agreed with PSG and talked to Luis Enrique. So if he's talked on the phone with them, he's not very committed anymore at this point, and it really showed on the pitch. Um, and Cherki tried to do too much, um, not with dribbles, but just, you know, the whole offense goes through him at this point. And Kekre tries to do a little bit of what he can, but he said he's not a 10. It's clear he's not a 10. Um, we need someone more creative in the midfield. So there's just no, no really. Um, in French, it's called circuit préférentiel. I don't know what it's in English, but basically, the, there's no uh, a spine. Roots, yeah, yeah, spine. And they don't really have um, a plan, and um, it's kind of quite concerning. Individually, our players have talent, as you can see when they're sold. They're 
they're, they're players that can go to top 20 clubs all over the Europe and they're not bad. It's just, I, you know, we're not going to start the season, you know, criticizing the coach, but he did what most French coaches do, which is only focus on physical training, no tactical, nothing at all. And um, it shows, it shows when you watch the game and maybe it'll work out in the end because we're going to be intense all the way through the season, but it's not working so far. And, um, you know, not that Strasbourg was miles ahead of us, just Lyon can't score. And that's really it. Yeah, you do have to underline how well Strasbourg did for most of the game at home for the first game of the season. Obviously, there's new expectations with the, the enhanced projects around Strasbourg and, you know, obviously the new striker, Moiba, who, who scored. Um, but I don't know if you watched any of the, the preseason for Lyon, but I think... Let's be honest, it's pretty much similar to what we had last year. The offensive, the attackers at least, are, are very pretty much the same as we had at the end of last season. From your analysis of last year, what kind of avenues do you think Laurent Blanc should be exploring in terms of creating something? And it might be a change of personnel. Jafinho came on in the latter minutes. It wasn't very exciting either. But let's say Barcola might stay. Um what kind of setup do you think he should be exploring to to make better of this you know, incredibly talented attack, but that doesn't really work together? I mean, the question always remains for me: what position Shaki plays? I mean, he's clearly he's clearly the most talented player with the ball at his feet, the most creative player, certainly one of the most frustrating, but still capable of magic. And I, you know, I've been critical of him in the past, but I also feel for him because he's been played on the wings, he's been played as a ten. I I feel com- considering where OL is right now, I don't see why he shouldn't be played as a 10 and given as much freedom as possible. He's the only one in that squad, in my mind, who's capable of unlocking something on his own. And and if you're not going to put your, all your best players around that concept, then you're just wasting him in my mind. And I think I think that's that's kind of what we're seeing. Where where Lyon started off relatively well at some point well, not started off, but played relatively well at some point in our season was when he was given that freedom and he was being told, you know, try try what, you know, kind of try what you want. We, we know that at some point, you know, that's going to work. And and that also unleashed Barcola and I think that also helped Lacazette greatly. Um, I understand he was played on the right wing. I, I agree. I don't see Cacré as a 10. I don't understand why you'd be playing him. I think you're wasting his strength, frankly, from playing him there. So... For me, if you if you're gonna stick with the personnel you have, you're gonna have to find Cherki in the middle, in the heart of the play, and you're gonna have to find somebody who can play on the wing um, alongside Barcola. So I don't know whether Jeffinho might be might might be an option uh, there, but certainly, or you might want to change, you know, you might want to change your system and have a, you know, have a four in midfield with uh, really a defensive one two eights and, uh, and Cherki as a 10 with two strikers, that might also help Lacazette. But it's what I'm disappointed. I mean, I didn't watch the game, but what I'm disappointed at, although not too surprised, is just that you come into the first day of the season and you have zero certainty into how you want to play, just like Jonathan has said. I just find that, frankly, incredible when you've been at the club for, for nine months and and you know what you were getting yourself into. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you did point out that that sort of diamond-shaped midfield that we sort of had at the end of last year with Barcola and Lacazette up front, giving Shirky the real freedom of of a 10 that we don't really see 
that kind of position anymore. Let's be honest. It's mm-hmm. more of a two, two tens or a box midfield. I mean, like, you know, we all wish we could have a box midfield and Guardiola type of positional play, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, we obviously had, you mentioned Liam earlier, the, the whole defensive um, situation. Um, Blanc wants to play with a high line. Um, I'm not exactly sure whether that's the right solution, seeing how quick our defenders are. Um, but we were caught out a few times, as much as Mata did really well um, throughout preseason. Got injured, so that's always a positive. Um, you do feel like he's playing a bit out of... He's just wishful thinking with the defenders he has. And there's so many times when the ball comes over the top and Jermaine has no clue where the ball is, trying to position himself. Um, is he trying too hard to do a style he can't really do and not defend properly, uh, Blanc, when he's setting up with that line so far from his goal, knowing that Rimi Rio isn't really going to come out of his line to do a sort of Neuer versus Algeria type of goalkeeping. Um, what can he do, really, with what he has? I mean, to go back to what he's doing at presently, it feels very much like Roy Hudson to Jack Wink to just go out there and do your best and we'll be okay. It just feels very much of a case of, you know, play to you can and I'm sure you'll be fine. But really, telling a team to do that, as Baptiste and Jonathan have both said, that we've got quality in areas. I mean, if you go through the team, whether there's quality in defence, there is quality in midfield. And there's definitely quality in attack. We've probably got, now that Lois Appender's left and that why he could be on his way out, we've probably got the best striker in Ligue 1. So it's really a case of how do you get a team to play together when they're just being told to? Obviously, we don't know. But I mean, I know, Jonathan, you always tweet when he shout, he stood there on the sideline shouting, Ale, Ale. He's offering encouragement. He's not offering tactical insight. You know, he sounds like Liverpool fans just chanting as they chant Ale, Ale, Ale. It's really just a case of there's no element of managerial now or tactical changes. It's, you know, players get substituted because they're tired or, you know, we'll throw more attackers on because we need a goal. There's nothing really interesting in terms of how we play or yet injured for example with Mata but to answer your question on the defensive side of things personnel is an issue with the high line I think Luke Haber could play in a high line he had the pace he had the fitness to play in a high line he was readily available um, and then again with Chalatachar he's has he ever really played in a system that operates with a high line? Definitely not at Southampton. OM could possibly play with a high line at times, but there just seems to be no cohesion with... It is a new back line as well, so that's to be expected, I guess, but you wouldn't expect a new high line, a new defence, sorry, to operate with a high line straight away without any rigorous tactical work in training, um, especially when, you know, there's doubts about whether Luke Haber was going to be playing. Obviously, he's left for Leipzig now. Um, Tanglia Fico's future's in doubt. Mata was making his debut for the club, as was Chaleta Char being thrown in without any real serious pre-season preparations. So, I don't think it comes to a case of how Blanc wants the team to defend. I don't think he actually knows how he wants the team to defend. As has already been mentioned, in fear of not 
just repeating what's been said, there's no real identity to the way the team plays, whether that be with the ball or without the ball. And Jonathan, on your end, I mean, we've we've had this discussion multiple times in terms of the, the midfield. Le Penant was, I feel like, is one of his first games, again, playing in, in midfield as a, a sort of the furthest away from goal. Um, is that something you want to reiterate? I know you're not a big fan of the whole trio of Cacre, Toliso and, and Le Penant, but I guess if we're not really going to recruit anyone, is that probably our best solution? Or do you wish we had someone else in there to dynamize midfield I'm, I'm thinking even El Aouj could have come on for the last 10 and, and brought something different right well you know as a pure Lyon fan of course I love the El Aouj I love the creative players that's my kind of player but no I, I'm not crazy he's not a starter for Lyon right now um, I just think the formation is wrong we just don't have the midfield that we need so I think it should be what we finished last season with which is four forwards I mean if you count Cherki as a forward it should be Barcola on one side Jeffinho or Sar on the other side, Lacazette up front, Cherki behind, and then two midfielders, which are Tolisso Kakre. That's what I think it should be. Um, but that's not what the coach is doing. He said in the press conference he doesn't think any French team plays with four forward or any team in, in Europe succeeds with four attacking players. And then L'Equipe had a good article showing how, yeah, there are many teams that play with four forward you know, attacking players. And so you know, he just doesn't watch... I, I you know I want to criticize him again, but he, he doesn't watch football anywhere. He's not one of those managers who's watching tape. He watches the practice and goes home, and that's it, and that's fine. And you know, um, so regarding question, Le Penal, he's a fine player. You know, he's he's got the level for Lyon. I'm not saying he's not a good player. He was a great transfer. So we don't talk about how he was not very expensive, and it was actually a good scouting job, and they got a player to be a Lyon player. I just think he's not Lyon level for what I hope Lyon to be. If Lyon was a relegation team or a 12th in the, in the standings team, then okay, that's fine. But if we're talking about the top five team, he's not at the level, and that's fine. And maybe you use a bench player, or he's a, someone you sell to a, a you know a mid-level team. So I have no problem with Le Penon. I just think that the, the style, Le Penon is a defensive player. He has no attacking mind. Kekre tries to attack, but he's not good enough to attack. And Tolisso has become, he used to be an attacking player, you know, attacking midfielder, sort of, you know, he could score a lot. Now he's very defensive. So with those three players and, you know, just relying on Cherki and then Barco a little bit on the, it's just not enough. It's not enough for the team. And it's kind of just a, a mistake in coaching. I don't think it's Le Penal's fault. Um, and maybe Blanc will get his midfielder he's been asking for. You know, just a side note, I find it so preposterous that Blanc has been asking for that's midfielder from Spain or multiple, and he claims like he's 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 watched them or he knows anything about these players. He knows nothing. I, I guarantee you. Maybe he went to Sevilla on vacation and watched one game and said, "Oh, that's a good player," and now he wants him because he wants both players on Betis Seville. That's it. That's the both midfielders. He, he doesn't know anything else. Um, it's just pretty sad to me. But uh, that's just a complete side note. And yeah, I, I'm very concerned about our midfield in the system that Blanc has it. To be honest, I'm surprised he's not bringing in any of his like golfing buddies or people he's seen in Qatar for over the last six years or something. Um, next up is is Montpellier. Um, obviously, they've, they're probably going to lose out to Wai. It seems like he's not in the group for this weekend. Um, I always think that Teji Savania would have been something 
an interesting addition to, to Lyon, or how late he be a bit uh, inconsistent. Um, ahead of that game, um, not that it's going to be particularly... Obviously, every point matters and, and how different that is versus a game against PSG, but how, with the personnel we have at the moment, Baptiste, um, how do you think... Let's say there were there were positives in in the Strasbourg game, um, and and there was some sort of attacking output, but a lot more needs to be done. Is there anything that maybe you think Lyon should be improving on um, with with the current personnel? Let's imagine no one leaves and no one arrives in the next two days. Um, is there really anything we can do before the, the that game tomorrow? I think the episode might not be even out by the time the game comes along on Saturday night. I think it's just a case of people taking their responsibilities, frankly. I mean, it's it's there's an absence of leadership, I think, everywhere across the club at the moment. And I mean, I echo everything that's been said about Blanc. He was never known for being detail-oriented, even when he was working out really well at Bordeaux, France, and... PSG, the, the stories were always about how Jean-Louis Gasset was doing all the background work and and getting the players on board and, and being tactically astute. Uh, so after years away from the game, effectively, there's no surprise that he's not up to speed, although that's still disappointing. But I think players have to take their responsibilities as well. I mean, you know, we've talked about the spine of the side and you would normally think, you know, players like Anthony Lopez when he'll be back, you know, Saletasar or Lovren, Toliso, Lacazette, these are these are players who should be leaders, even Tagliafico, right? I mean, he, those are experienced players. And nobody's taking any ownership, I, f- I feel, on the pitch. So uh, for me, there just needs to be real dynamism in the squad. I, d- I don't know why Toliso's in the stance, frankly. I, d- I don't see what he brings. He's just slows everything down in midfield. I'd rather, I'd rather see a Lupino and Cacre midfield, frankly, if you're going to have to. At least you've got young legs and desire to get the ball. And you play to their strength. But I think it's just a collective, it has to be a collective decision right now. And that's obviously easier said than done. I don't know what it's like in the intimacy of the dressing room. But, you know, nobody's walking through that door and saving the day, I think, should be the feeling at the club at the moment. And therefore, you know, what are you going to do about it? And what are you aiming for? And I think those players, they should be aiming for higher than where they finished over the last few seasons. And if they're not capable of doing that, then there are also real question marks about their personalities and whether they're ever going to be ready to move on to a bigger club. So I don't think there's a magic formula at the moment. We just need to be also conscious that it is still the first game of the season. Preseason has been poor. There's been uncertainty around some players. There'll be even more uncertainty to come. That's always destabilizing. Maybe once that's stopped and you know who's who's on the same boat basically you're finally gonna have an upturn in form but it's it's uh i don't think there's any magic remedy at the moment as depressing as that sounds well hopefully we get another exciting game against Montpellier, like the last one we played at home obviously was uh one of the yeah. games of the century let's be honest um not that my heart could really take another one like that one again um liam i think the next section is obviously gonna have to be the transfers uh in the off part of this show, I completely forgot that Luke Ebert left in the since the last episode, but it felt like a sort of formality. Um, obviously, Texter has been very, Texter and Kuchi both have been very openly outspoken about how we're going to keep our best players and 
Barcola and Lukebo are part of the project. Clearly, the only one he's not mentioned is Shirky, and he's probably the, the most likely to stay. Uh, not that I don't rule out the fact that Shirky might leave on the last day to PSG as well. Um, you know, the, the, <laughs> the graphic montages of, of Barcola and, and Shirky and the PSG shirt have popped up on my Twitter feed lately, and I'm, it, it frustrates me. Anyway, um, Luke Edvive is obviously not going to be replaced, let's be honest. Um, how big of an impact is that going to be on the season? And I'd like to have your thoughts as well next on, on Maitland-Niles because you're probably the only one, maybe Batiste has some thoughts as well on uh, what kind of elements he can bring to the team. Luke but I, I mean, for people who listened last week, we all said that he would stay, I think, in our quick fire section. Or he was the most likely to leave, but we all thought he would stay. Um it's disappointing. Um, I think, is he ready to go to Leipzig and take on the reins of Joshko Gvardiol? I'm not so sure. I think he could have done with another season at Lyon. Um, I think he could have helped us into Europe. Or maybe not Europe, challenge for Europe. Um, and the defence would have looked a whole lot better with him there. I think him and uh, Shalatashar in the defence would have been a lot more mobile. Um, and secure, you could have seen the development of a pretty strong partnership within the season. Um, as he built somewhat with Lovren towards the back end of last season. Um, but yeah, obviously, it's no club wants to lose the best players. Obviously, as Leon fans, we're used to it. But I think in the manner that it happened for thirty-five million euros, it feels like an undersell. I think in the past, Leon have always been renowned for they they sold their talents for the right price but 35 million euros for Luke but didn't feel like the right price and the prices that are being banded around for uh, Barcola and Shirky again don't feel like the right prices um in terms of the team how you recover from losing a player like Barcola uh, not Barcola, Luke Aber, maybe Barcola's a conversation in a couple of weeks. Um, is it's worrying really? Diamonde is probably a mid-table to relegation level league and centre back. I don't think he's ever shown the progression and signs that he'll be moving on for thirty-five million euros if we're comparing him to Luke Aber. I don't ever see that happening. Um. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult one to take, really, when you look that we've signed Jake O'Brien, who's probably either going to go out on loan to Molenberg or really you're scrimping and scraping around to sign someone on a free transfer or on a loan move. And we've done that already with Chelsea, which I do think is good business. I think that's a good signing. But you need someone to partner him as a left-sided centre-back. At the moment, we've not got that. Um from the Ainsley Maitland Niles, I'm going to be positive for the first time this episode. I do actually like the signing um, on a free transfer. He's extremely versatile, which, from the perspective of the club, that's a little light in terms of you know depth in position, being able to play as a central midfielder, being able to play as a six, which is where I think he played in the academy and the club has seen where he might play moving forwards. Um, and on both... Um, Full-back positions, I nearly said it in French for some reason. Um, 
but yeah, we'll we'll see how Ainsley Maitland Niles fits in with um Leon coming to a new country is never going to be easy. There aren't this obviously you'll know Lacazette, which will help, but I don't think we've a great deal of English speakers in the squad as things stand. Um, so that's going to take some time getting used to. I don't know if you saw the announcement video, this French is evidently not great. Um, so how we proceed with Ainsley Maitland Niles in the team is he a six? I don't think he is, but if the scouts, our amazing scouting team, have pinpointed him to play that position, let's see what happens. But it's a positive signing on a free transfer. I think he could have easily signed for a a Fulham or a Nottingham Forest in the Premier League, but he's he's joined Leon, so and they're probably the clubs we're competing with in the transfer sphere now. They're probably even more of a attractive word than Leon as things stand. So it's pro- in my eyes, it's probably the best piece of business we've done this transfer window. Let's not forget, you said it was a dream of his to come and sign for Leon. I don't think uh, it's quite uh, what he imagined when he saw the seven league titles and then showed up and he's got a uh, you know bottom tier club to, to live with. Um, Batiste, obviously, I don't know how much of Maitland-Niles you've, you've watched over the years. I remember him mostly as um, sort of a bombing you know, right wing back uh, mm. in the in sort of late Emery, early Arteta years. Uh, that banana skin kit and uh, the game away to Barcelona, especially when he's called their own goal. Um, and let's not make a whole judgment of character there, but let's say Obviously, he's an Englishman abroad. Um, that always comes with his challenges. I'm sure Kane will have great success in Bayern, but it's not always been the case that English players play very well abroad, especially in an un-English um, environment. Um, the fact that they're still the club are apparently still looking at Guido Rodriguez and, and Felipe Luis shows that they don't have complete faith in him playing in midfield. Mm-hmm. What what kind of we really make of this transfer in the end? I mean, it's a, as Liam said, it's a free transfer, so we're not expecting him to be on Premier League wages anymore, but it's still, you know, probably now an extra European slot that's been used because of Brexit. So you got to, you know, think twice before we're making that kind of transfers. Yeah, I mean, he's, I was surprised that he joined. I mean, he's a jack of all trades, master of none, is the feel like I get from him. Um, that I mean, that doesn't mean that's not a he can't have a positive impact on your squad, right? That versatility is is also welcome. Um, and you know, he hasn't. What I would say about Maitland Niles is he hasn't played actually played a lot of football, right? So there's you can look at a 26 year old Arsenal player being let go on a free after multiple loans. And ending up at Lyon is either, you know, a pro, you know, that's either promising or that's a bit depressing. But, uh, but the, I mean, the, you know, the jury's still out. He's obviously wanted to come. I was surprised that he's joined for four years. If you're going to have a free transfer, that's quite a big outlay on a player who wasn't really wanted by by Premier League clubs either. Um, but I think I think you know I think he can do I think he can do some good. He's obviously got a great football education. He's played at a high level. Uh, he's got a desire to be there, and he can play in a multitude of positions. It's uh, I'm not exactly sure where he's going to fit in at the moment. Um, and I get I get real Alex Iwobi vibes whenever I hear Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Is he'll have a game where you're thinking, what does he play that way every week? And then 
the four next games are the answer to why. So um, I I think, you know, considering the means at Lyon's disposals, clearly at, at, during the summer and the fact they wanted to get some depth in midfield and, and versatility in defense, I think this is a good signing. As, is, whether it moves the needle to to lift the team considerably, I have question marks over that. But, you know, why wouldn't you go with a player meant to be in the prime of his career wouldn't without too many miles on his legs and with a good football education and he seems like a good guy so he takes a lot of good boxes as well i guess the the lacazette's relationship probably helps as well as, as liam mm. mentioned um jonathan we're going to wrap up the, the transfer section by let's say let's say toko Cambi obviously he's going to leave at some point um let's be honest if three clubs are having a court war uh for him that he's probably going to leave even for two million I guess it's far from the 20 that Olas was expecting from him. Um, are you imagining that it's going to be a lot of movement left in, in, in the window? I mean, we've got, I'm checking the clock, it's still another two weeks or so. Um, Barcola seems to be heavily linked to a move away, possibly not just um, Paris, but also Manchester City if uh, Doku doesn't work out or, or elsewhere. So let's just say there's a 40 million or a 50 million offer that's going to come in for him and they'll be good enough. Is there any hope that we reinvest that into the market? And if it was you, what kind of, we well, seem to be asking this question every week, but what position would be the absolute priority that seeing as the NCG are going to stop us from recruiting 10 players? Let's say we only get one. Um, where are we going with that money? Well, it depends. I, I, there is a rumor that if we were to sell Barcola for 40 plus 50 million, potentially DNTG could do something to give us more room because at that point we've sold for 85, 90 million, actually with Fev, it's over 100 million already. So, you know, it's pretty ridiculous at that point not to have, we actually sold more than what Olas would have promised at that point. So kind of process, but let's say, I don't think that's possible as a lawyer. <laughs> I don't think we're going to, get an appeal because they don't re- reconvene until the fall. And so Ugo Gimei is pretty clear, you know, the, the keep reporter that we have about 8 million euros left to invest. Um, and, you know, it appears that a six is what Laurent Blanc wants. So a six is what it appears they're spending it. I don't agree at all. And uh, we discussed, cause I think it's a different system we need. Um, I think we need to score goals. We need another person to score goals. Whoever that is. Sarri is not a player who's going to score goals. Jeffino is not going to score goals. And I think now I'm, you know, when the podcast last week, I was like, okay, we're not selling anyone. Barco is leaving, in my opinion. I think Barco is leaving. Um, so then who's going to score goals? It's going to be Sherky is going to score, if we're lucky, 10 goals. And that's crazy. I don't think he's, and so Lacazette didn't, and I predicted he would score like 18 goals. But if he even scores 25, you're talking about 35 goals. No one's gonna. We're not gonna survive that way. So we need someone who can score for eight million. It appears that they're looking for a right winger who plays, uh, who is left footed. That's. I don't know why they're focused on that. As like that's such a precise thing, um, but they want a right winger who plays left footed, uh, and good luck finding that with the current market prices. It's pretty ridiculous unless you get a free a free agent. Uh, <laughs> Messi was available. That's a good one. Um, and maybe they can get creative with like options for next year. You know, I, I don't see why we can't 
put a massive $25 million transfer and just say, we'll pay you next year. Like PSG does for a ticket. I, I don't see why not. We have the money now because we've had sales. So I don't really get it. But uh, so that's the part I don't really get out of the finances. Um, but yeah, I, I need goals. That's where I would put the money. Unfortunately, we need a lot of positions, but we can't fix them all. Um, I think right back, we were talking about uh, that Arsenal player who came. I think he's going to end up playing right back, personally, because Kumbedi was very exposed in the last game, which was surprising. And if Mata's out for a while, there might be position there. Um, but yeah, so that's where I put the money. So most, I have no proposals, you know, how we do the preseason and we pick players. Uh, that's not possible. So just find me someone who can score alongside Lacazette and make them pay next year. Yeah, there's no point in making a proposal. We, we can always put in the table, you know, Dybala or, or even lower-rated Brazilian players and they'll come up with Jacob Brian. So what's even the point of doing research ahead of podcasts, really? Um, I think it's time for, for our general thoughts from, from Baptiste. Obviously, you cover um, widely Liga and, and I'm sure anyone who's not had the chance yet to discover your content as multiple threads as every year. You know, I've, I've enjoyed uh, year on year out the, the Ren ones, which um, seemingly always have a very different opinion than I have than, than Ren, but that might be my anti Genesio bias that comes into play. Um, what are your general thoughts on, on, on Lyon here? And, and I'm sure uh, you can answer a few of the other hosts questions because we've already sent some in um with with your live edition with with um mr mignon jeremy mignon on on the the you know possibilities of leon doing anything this season uh is there any hope that we can do better than you know second part of the table i mean i think i think there have been some positives over the summer i know that sounds a bit crazy considering the <laughs> the the feeling after the first game out of the summer but if you're looking at long term, I, I do think they have done a good job of getting rid of a lot of high salaried players who didn't want to be at the club and who were a bit of a cancer in the dressing room. And I think that that would also always help. I think getting a bit of clarity over who actually owns the club, notwithstanding the very public bickering between Textor and, and Olas is also is also good because at least Textor is going to be fully invested in. Now he has faced the DNCG and he hasn't had a pleasant surprise coming out of that meeting, but uh, at least he's getting uh, invested into the running of the club and, and he feels like it's his club now. Um, in terms in terms of the season, I mean, I think we've, we've mentioned it here. There's, I still think there's plenty of talent at, at Lyon. There are players that I always appreciate walk, uh, watching and who have who have a you know good football intelligence and and are talented. I mean, Kakre is one, even though he's stagnated a bit over the last few years. Um, you know, I like Kumbedi, obviously Cherki, Bakola. Um, you know, we've talked about Lacazette, who's obviously older, and you know everybody awaits El Arouche as the second coming of of the Messiah. So we'll see how that turns out. So f- from a, from a neutral standpoint, I think there's always there's always something to like at at Lyon. I mean the one negative I think you've repeatedly pointed out and I would echo is there's just not a real good feel <laughs> around the club at the moment. And I think that does weigh, you know, that does weigh on people's mind. I think if you go, it's, it's the same as when you go to work and, you know, if you're in, if you go to work and you're in the middle of a redundancy program or something like that, 
nobody's having a good time, right? And nobody lifts each other up. And I think that's what that's what we're seeing at the club. There's still a lack of leadership across the club. So, you know, a, a mixed bag. I mean, at some point I had to make a prediction and I had to say they were going to finish seventh. Um, didn't feel great about that. It's better than most of our Sunday. predictions. I think <laughs> we were all aiming for eighth or ninth, I think, in, in between us. But I think Jonathan might have put seventh. Uh, I'm not. Mm. I got seven. Yeah. yeah so. I I think there's certainly one of the most <laughs> interesting sides in Niga. I think as a neutral. I mean, there's there's definitely a scenario in w- that I can see in which they lift themselves up to fifth or fourth. Um, because if the talent clicks and you've got somebody who has a bit of a vision at the head, then things could work out really well, and the academy still produces. But is there's there a also, scenario that we finish fifteen? Exactly. Exactly. There's also a scenario where that happens. And we've seen that with other big clubs where uh, they stagnate and there's no forward-looking, forward-thinking enthusiasm at the club. So I think, honestly speaking, I think the club is a bit of a crossroads. I think it's also very early in a textile era. And clearly there were a lot of skeletons in that closet, right? As much as I've admired Jean-Michel Olas from afar, you know, there's been a lot of poor investment and what I'd call big club delusion over the last few years. So, you know, you've get a, you've got to give chance a chance to the new ownership is is the way I would look at it. And Lyon, the reality for Lyon is that they are they are in a transition at the moment. And success is cyclical and it's not gonna happen overnight. What what worries me a little bit for Lyon is the fact that it's Rivals, and I'm not necessarily looking at traditional rivals like Monaco, for example, but I think other rivals like uh, Rennes at the moment. Are, you know, I, I know you might disagree with me, Tom, but Rennes, I think, are are going about it the way Lyon used to go about things back in the day, and they are very forward-looking and are willing to take risks, but sensible risks. And I don't, I don't see that with Lyon. I don't see a thought process of a clear direction and a clear strategy and that's what that's what i find worrying because from 95 to 2015 you were one of the most progressive clubs in in Ligue 1 very easily that was you you could tell that straight away they haven't done that for nearly 10 years now and it's it's a bit it's a bit worrying when you see smaller clubs be braver i think and when i see the likes of lorient and the way they the way they play, the way they structure themselves, or loss very clearly, the way they've gone about their business. I don't understand why a club like Lyon can't get inspired from that and 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 try to behave the same way. Because at the moment, there's no real difference in stature for me between some a club like Loss and a club like Lyon. Yeah, I think I mean there's always a, a question of looking how big your club is. We could obviously look at Clermont because they they work very well, mm. but they're obviously far smaller club and with lesser expectations not saying that Clermont should be miles behind us anywhere anytime soon uh, they might even finish ahead of us who knows but I agree with the whole element of, of Rennes as much as I I still think they'll stumble at the end with Genesio and there's always the elements with the last 10 years with Rennes where it's like it feels really promising there's a great squad but in the end it's always falls on its face in the last days uh, very Spursy, yeah, I agree. But these days, there's a big element of, of Spurs in, in Rennes. 
Um, although I think it's a bit more happy at the Roison Park than <laughs> the Tottenham Stadium <laughs> these days. But um, I do agree with the whole element of it being obviously you know league is a league, so you obviously have to finish ahead of someone and behind someone unless you're a PSG and winning the league. Um, who do you think is going to be sort of the, the main rivals? I think we're we're probably more or less better structured than than Monaco, and we inherently are probably in a better situation. I mean, obviously, there's a whole element of, of Mbolo getting injured and Ben Yedder being into investigation and all that stuff, which seems to be a ideal to start a season for Adi Hooter. Um, do you think maybe the, the main rivals would be a, a Lance who will struggle with with the European competition and then maybe Rennes or, or even, I think, Lille are miles ahead of us these days. Um, so who, who could be amongst it? with us, I think, for the sort of fourth to seventh spot. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think Lille, Lille are definitely going to be in there. Um, I, I think the front three, in my mind, is definitely PSG. I think Marseille have had a good transfer window, and I know they went out of the Champions League, and that's been a shock. Um, but, you know, in the league, certainly they've got depth, they've got talent, and they're hoping that you know la mayonnaise va prendre with uh, with Marcelino, uh, but but certainly they're well armed to do that. I've I've got Ren as as part of my top three. <laughs> Again, I I sound like a massive you know Ren fan, but uh, I j- I just think when I look at their squad, there are definitely definite gaps. But going forward and in midfield, they're they're pretty well equipped to to beat any team. I, I think after that, Lens will feel the pain of a. Of what it's like to combine um, Liga with with Europe. Having said that, it's a eighteen team Liga, so you've got four four game four, fewer games, which might work in their favor. And they still need a number nine. Monaco, you've mentioned the challenges they're facing. Lille, they've got the continuity with Fonseca, but I'm still a bit unclear as to where the creativity is coming from if it's not Cabela. And uh, you know, Cabela is what thirty three, thirty four, and, and it's it's a lot to ask. So that that's also why I'm partially optimistic for Lyon is that I don't think there's a clear cut hierarchy um, from third to eighth. Let's put it you know let's put it that way. I see each team is having weaknesses that they have to w- work with and that are well known and are slightly glaring in some senses, and some some obvious strength as well. I think what I would wish for Lyon in our particular case is just a bit of breathing room at the club. From the outside, it just feels like it, there's constant pressure, and I get it. You know, fans want the best, and it's not just a you know. I'm not blaming the fans at all. I think fans want the best. Everybody wants the best. Everyone wants to go back to the you know good old days. But there's a there's a lot of pressure, and and it gets um, it gets blown up every time. There's a little bit of a mishap uh, happening. So that's why I think um, you know they are. They are in the running, Lyon, for, for potentially finishing higher than what people think. I think you've got much more optimism than us, which is good to hear, at least, I guess, from an outsider's perspective. I guess from your appearance on Le Bourgeois last week, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said Lyon were your surprise package for the season. I guess you've answered it somewhat, but... If you were to put your neck on the line, well, first and foremost, explain why. And then if you were to put the, your neck on the line, 
is it negatively and or is it positively so the reason is is because there's still that uncertainty at the club and that I'm not getting a sense that everybody is fighting in the same direction or, or understanding the same things. And there's a, there's a little bit of chaos at the club, which works for some clubs, but doesn't seem to necessarily to work for Lyon. Um, and there are question marks over leadership. Uh, and I think the criticism over Laurent Blanc is, is uh, well-deserved, frankly. I, I, I think if you, if you were to go for someone else who is more forward thinking, the talent in the in the squad that somebody would be able to make something out of it and to push up. So but 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 the negative, you know, the negative scenario, the pessimistic scenario is there's that constant churn of negativity around the club, around the players, players drop in form. I mean, I'm not sure we're gonna see Lacazette score twenty five goals again. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not as high on Barcola as many. I, I like him, but I'd like to see him strut his stuff for more than six months, basically. And uh, and there's too much pressure on Shirky to be, you know, to be the the deliverer and and uh, and the, the sole creative presence. So in a really pessim- in a really optimistic world, everything clicks and there's enough talent and enough uncertainty with uh, at rivals for you know to uh, push up the table. But in a really pessimistic world, we're looking at, you know, bottom half of the table with a little bit of a relegation scare. If I were to, uh, if I were to go for one, I'd well, I'd still stick to my seventh prediction. I think you got to you got to stick to your prediction. It's only game game day two, but um, my hope is it's going to sound really cruel, but my hope is that they get rid of Laurent Blanc and they bring in someone who's a Régis Lebris kind of manager and who's going to bring in enthusiasm at the club. Okay, well, you know, as the um, the resident Cherokee fan, you know, my son is actually named the same name as Ryan Cherokee. Right. So, um, it's Cherokee, his middle name as well. No, <laughs> no. Um, but that, so, you know, you mentioned Cherokee briefly, but mm. I am always curious because we watch Lyon and we're super biased, you know, of course. And I'm just curious to see what does a neutral Lyon fan think of Cherki? Is he actually that good, or is he just overrated by us? I I think I think it's very difficult to rate Cherki genuinely as a neutral. One because there's been there have been so many hopes pinned on him since very early on that there was a huge clamor for him to be given game time, and you could tell he was putting pressure on himself when he was coming on. He was giving little bits of game time. As soon as he was trying to play quite freely, he was getting criticized for it. But of course, if he was delivering, people were hailing him as, you know, the new greatest academy product since Benzema and Ben Arfa, right? So since then, it's it's remained difficult, I think, in my mind to actually judge him because we've talked about how he never seems to be settled in a particular position. I would I would love for him to be given a run of 10 15 games in the f- number 10 role and for him to be given his instructions by a brave manager to to focus on what he does well rather than what he doesn't do well and I think that's the strength of great managers is that they play to their key players strength and they cater for it for their weaknesses right I mean what's undeniable for me is that Shaki is technically very very gifted and has an eye 
for a goal or a pass that few players have. I don't think you can really deny that from, from the example. The the criticism that's aimed at him, which I think is fair, is that he tends to overdo things. And he doesn't necessarily play... When he plays with instinct, it, it goes, but he can get too drawn into, you know, running um, run down a, a dark alley. So, but that's also... <laughs> What's difficult as well is when you've got a guy who's been playing since he's been 15, 16, you forget how young he is and how little responsibility and game time he's been given. So talk of him going to the likes of Man City or Chelsea, I think it's too early for him. But there's definitely the the ingredients are there f- for him to be a really good player. I I still struggle to see him as a future great. I mean, there's been some overemphasis on he's a future Ballon d'Or and things like that but then i think some criticisms were similar to what we had with benzema and and to to lesser extent with ben arfa he didn't have the career people expected but you know similar similar types of criticism if he goes if he goes to a club that plays him exactly the way he should play and values him there's no reason why he won't he won't perform but i think that applies to all players well it's always interesting to have the exterior point of view obviously we we had this adoration for Shirky for, for many seasons on this podcast. And before that, we might have had Awar as well. And mm. it seems like it's a crossroad for him. And now it, it seems he's probably going to get the responsibility he deserves uh, this year. Um, now that we have you on and, and we've only got you know, five minutes to go, we're going to do some uh, a section that Liam sort of brought up uh, on the first episode of, of Quick Fire Questions. Um, ideally, it's sort of one or, or two words. Uh, in this case, it's going to be teams mostly, I think, um, or on Ligue 1, uh, as, you, as you cover it more generally. Um, we'll start with you, Baptiste, actually, on on who you think are going to be the... I think it's two clubs relegated this year. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. So who are you going to be the, the two who are going to say goodbye to our marvellous Ligue 1 this year? Not and miss. Sounds about right for me. Um, Liam? Who do I think will go yep. down? Oh, um, Nets, yeah, I've seen my certainty. I'm worried about tonight's game against Marseille, to be honest. I think that could be a, a pretty much, uh, that could be like a cricket score. Um, and I'll go Brest. No, sounds sounds promising as well for, for those two teams, Jonathan. Yeah, I got Brest and Mess. Perfect respect for the the questions and the, the game. Um, then we'll have the the well. You've obviously mentioned the, the European teams. Uh, let's just take one. You've mentioned that Leo might be the surprise package. Let's put it differently. Let's say who's the the team to watch uh, for you, uh, Baptiste. Uh, Strasbourg. Strasbourg. Interesting choice, um, Liam. Um, I'm going to go Montpellier again. I think every oh, wow. season there, always. I don't know. There's part of me that thinks they could, they'd be my response to the question that Baptiste asked with surprise package. They could either go down or they could finish sixth. I just don't know. They're a, they're a basket case. Okay. And Jonathan? Marseille. But not because I know it's not because they might just be second. I predict them fifth, but because mm-hmm. the drama surrounding it and the players and the excitement and you know it's totally unknown. 
totally unknown. I'll I'll go for Lille because I'm just a big fan of Fonseca and, and mm. what he's created and the youth players they've brought in. Um, let's go for who's the the challenger. Let's be honest, it's going to be PSG champions this year. I don't see really anyone pushing them that far, especially when you see Jonathan putting Marseille fifth. I would have put them as the main challenger, but um, who are you going for, Baptiste? Uh, Marseille and Rennes as the challengers. Yeah. Liam? I think Marseille could run them close. It just depends how Bamiyang performs. Fair enough. Probably top scorer this year, um, along with Killian, I guess. Uh, and Jonathan? Yeah, I'm going to go surprise. I'm going to go Monaco. Monaco? Wow. Mm. With no strikers, unless obviously yeah, they're football... going to play Benny in there because they're shady. Yeah, of course, they will. You know, in the week when you see Mason Greenwood coming back to football, obviously we can have um, Ben Yedder starting up front for for Monaco. Um, yeah, I'll go with with Marcin. against my own heart. I, I will say, I think Ren probably the the next ones uh, to, to challenge. <laughs> Baptiste might have won me over there. Um, thank you so much for for joining us uh, this week. Uh, do you want to plug your your socials so we can go and follow your content? Yeah, sure. You can uh, you can follow us on on tw- X, I guess it's called X, now yes. at at Le Classic Pod, and and our podcast is obviously on on Spotify and and most uh, platforms. Great, thank you so much uh, for all three of you for joining this week. Uh, we'll be back after the Montpellier game. Hopefully, we're still eleven players at the club. Uh, see you next time.